0: You're listening to the Super Talk Podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Super Talk Podcast. My name is Tyrell Mills. Today, we're taking a look at foreign currency. We'll be discussing what foreign currency diversification looks like, considerations for emerging and developed markets, and the differences between active and passive management. I certainly couldn't do it on my own, so today we have Adam Kibble, Investment Specialist from Insight Investments, to provide his insights on moving towards a perfect currency solution. A little bit more on that later. Uh, We also discuss how active management of foreign currency investment can provide a liquidity solution for superannuation funds, particularly relevant given the wider discussions of liquidity in light of the temporary early release of superannuation scheme. Yes, and with us today, Adam Kibble, investment specialist from Insight Investment. Uh, Adam, how are you? I'm I'm well, too. How are you? Tracking all right. Uh, where, whereabouts are you based, Adam? Are you in Are you in Sydney or are you a Melbourneite in lockdown right now?
0: We're in Sydney, so I'm I'm working from home and have been since about March.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Um, a little while since you've seen co-workers.
0: Yeah, we've got together a couple of times. Generally, it's mostly on uh, video links. Uh,
1: okay. So so just to get us started, do you want to give us a bit of an overview on to how, how, how foreign currency is playing an important role in, in investment diversification?
0: For Australian dollar investors, foreign currency is a really important um, diversifier from a total portfolio perspective. That's because the Australian dollar is probably the most cyclical of the currencies, which means... It tends to perform well when the global economy is performing well, and global equity markets are performing well. And it depends, and it tends to perform poorly in downturns or, or recessionary periods when global equities are also uh, also performing poorly. So what this means is, if you can put foreign currency into your portfolio uh, as an exposure, those foreign currencies will appreciate when the Australian dollar depreciates in the recessionary periods. So they can tend to offset the performance, negative performance in growth assets like equities. So we saw this quite sharply in the first quarter this year when COVID-19 pandemic started uh, to impact the markets, equities. So the S&P lost 21% during the first quarter. The Australian dollar was off about 13% against the US dollar in that quarter as well. So you only lost 8%. In, if you were holding the S&P unhedged, so with a full foreign currency exposure. So that is providing diversification to your portfolio by having foreign currency exposure during periods of, of equity market weakness. Um, so it's a very important diversifier and, and lots of um, uh, more growthy multi-asset portfolios. You have quite a lot of exposure to foreign currency because of that.
1: And just just on the, I suppose, diversification, can you talk me a little through how uh, investing in a mix of emerging and developing markets helps to provide diversification on foreign currency risk?
0: Yeah, the emerging markets is is slightly different. Typically, the Australian dollar is more correlated to emerging market currencies, like the South African Rand or the Brazilian real or Mexico, so we tend to move together when, because they're cyclical currencies as well, so they tend to do poorly when we're doing poorly, uh, where the Australian dollar's doing poorly. So it's, you don't tend to go into emerging markets for the primary reason of diversification. You tend to go into emerging market currencies for the potential return aspect mm-hmm. of, of them. But the more emerging market currencies you have, such as say Asian currency, the more diversification you can get. So more is better, uh, but you've you, it's the different reasons why you you choose which emerging market currencies. You can't put them all in the same basket.
1: Let's talk a bit more around the sort of uh, active management of foreign currency. I read your, your article recently on that. How, how do you go about using it to drive better outcomes?
0: The first half of this year, you can see that being passive, having a passive strategic allocation of foreign currencies, hasn't
1: really helped you.
0: Because in the first quarter, foreign currencies rallied against Australian dollars, so that was great for your portfolio if you had foreign currency exposures, but in the second quarter, it, it completely reversed. So having a passive allocation you've gained in the first quarter and then you've completely you've lost in the second quarter to be basically a zero-sum game. Uh, so being passive is mainly an implementation game and that is basically about Reducing the costs of implementing that your foreign currency, your strategic foreign currency. If you're more active, though, you had the opportunity to increase your foreign currency exposure in the first quarter um, to benefit from the Australian dollar depreciation, and you also had potential then to decrease your foreign currency in the second quarter to to benefit or reduce your 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 exposure and um, lose less money when the Australian dollar rallied. So being active uh is more about uh, increasing the opportunity set of your foreign currency and moving away from your strategic asset allocation or your strategic foreign currency allocation uh to benefit on the return side of the of the the, the portfolio rather than just having foreign currency as a diversifier you here you're looking to uh minimize your exposure to foreign currency when extreme dollars rallying. So an active approach um can take, can take two sides. You can be active just to to create alpha. So that's like an unconstrained alpha process. Or you can have a process that, that moves with the direction in the currency. So as the Australian dollar falls, you increase your foreign currency exposure. And as the Australian dollar rises, you, you reduce your foreign currency exposure. So this is a more dynamic approach, um, which we use for our clients. It's it, the idea here is to align your hedging levels with the direction the currency is moving. So that's the other active approach you you, you can take, and that's more on the risk management side. So that's about managing risk um, to potentially benefit on the return side.
1: And what about some of the, uh, I suppose, flaws in active management? Active management. Are there any sort of uh, chinks in the armor, so to speak?
0: Well, in terms of that, that. Sort of dynamic approach where you're moving your hedge ratios with the move in the Australian dollar, that tends to underperform a passive approach during periods of choppy markets and mean reversion, where you, such as the first quarter, first half of this year. Uh, so that tends, so you tend to get very low hedge ratios, and then you have low hedge rate ratios when the when the market's at its lowest level, or the Aussie dollars at its lowest level and then you've got to rebuild those hedge ratios. So in mean reverting chopping markets, that approach can underperform a a passive approach that I mentioned earlier. So what you need is more medium term movements in the currency to capture that benefit. Uh, So that can be a flaw in the dynamic approach. Uh, The active approach, the pure alpha approach, that's all about getting your calls right and it depends on, on the sort of process you have in terms of um, being positioned in the, in the appreciating currencies uh, at the right times. So that has flaws as, as, as well, because not all active approaches have made money over the last over the last five years. Um, so what we try and do is use both the, the dynamic approach, and a unconstrained alpha approach to reduce the flaws in the dynamic approach. So when currencies aren't aren't volatile, uh, sorry, aren't f- trending and are mean reverting, you, you what you're hoping is your unconstrained alpha approach will pay for those underperformance periods uh, when the dynamic uh, hedging is not is not performing as well.
1: Is that largely what you've kind of described around the quote unquote the perfect currency solution?
0: What we're trying to describe here is, is moving towards the perfect currency solution. The ideal position is to be uh, unhedged, completely unhedged, when foreign currencies are appreciating and to be completely hedged when foreign currencies are depreciating. The dynamic approach, that asymmetri- creating that asymmetry, um, moves you towards that. And that's the ideal, but you need the, the, the currency movements to be considerable to gain a benefit. Um, when currencies don't move much, when the, the currency risk is low, so the difference between the unhedged and the fully hedged return is very similar, that approach will, will will underperform. So you in using a purely dynamic approach, you need the currency the Aussie dollar to move a long way in either direction. What we do is we allocate some of our risk to an unconstrained alpha program that's trying to generate returns all the time, no matter what the environment is, the current environment is. And the idea is this um, extra return from the unconstrained alpha pays for the cost of asymmetry. So when the currencies aren't moving or mean reverting, you've got some alpha to pay for the cost of creating that asymmetry. And that will get you closer to that ideal outcome of being fully hedged when foreign currencies are depreciating and unhedged when they're appreciating. So it, it's very difficult to get to the, the perfect solution, but what we're trying to do is create a structure to move you towards that ideal outcome. And, and the important bit is figuring out how much to allocate to alpha and how much to allocate to asymmetry, how much risk to allocate to both strategies.
1: Uh, Might just sort of move along a little, I suppose, to sort of uh, liquidity. You've said that the the government's early release release of super for financial hardship uh, has created some liquidity constraints. Uh, How would an active management approach benefit super funds Uh, as well? Just for a bit of context, I I suppose, just in recent days, we found out that the early release measures will be extended towards the end of the year. uh, And at the same time, Treasury greatly revising their their expectations for what that that amount taken out of super is going to be. So this is a particularly timely question. how uh, and I had just yeah. to, just to restate yeah how, how would that active management approach sort of benefit around here?
0: Well, let, let, just one step back. the The issue for a lot of the super funds early this year was the timing of that um, the the early release scheme was pretty unfortunate because at the same time, the, the the funds that had high levels of hedges and high levels of illiquid assets, went in the first quarter, were were needing to come up with lots of cash to pay for foreign currency hedges that were maturing and being and being rolled over. So they had the a, the double whammy from paying up front on foreign currency hedges and um, the unknown liquidity requirements of the early release game. And they had to do lots of modelling on both. So, so the issue for them was if they wanted to maintain their currency hedges, they were going to be compromised on liquidity. Um, if they wanted to increase their liquidity levels for the unknown release game, they had to reduce their hedges. Uh, so it was a, it was a compromise compromise going on, an active process that I described earlier. That's more dynamic. What that did was as the Australian dollar started depreciating in early February um, to late February, it was reducing hedges ahead of those hedges maturing. So it was reducing hedging levels quite quickly because the Australian dollar was was moving sharply lower. So what this did was this helped those funds offset some of their liquidity concerns because hedging levels were, were much lower. So a passive approach would have kept their hedges stable and they would have stuck with that level. Um, and high levels of cash flow requirements where a more active dynamic approach quickly got rid of those those hedging uh, amounts uh, without them having to go to an investment committee, without them having to reassess their, their tactical um, moves. The active manager was already doing that for them.
1: Just finally, uh, I would have thought that geopolitical risk would have had uh, a bit of a bearing on foreign currency investment. Uh, you say it's a little more indirect than that. Can you can you explain a little bit out in terms of uh, the geopolitical risk?
0: Yeah, geopolitical risk has, has a big impact um, on the markets. Uh, we can see that quite a lot at the moment with the US dollar. The US dollar's weakening sharply, particularly against the Euro. Um, now what's happening here is there's positive geopolitical developments on the European side and there's negative geopolitical developments on the, on the US dollar side. So that's pushing the US, the US dollar to its weakest level in, in quite some time. Uh, the risk on the US dollar side is their response to COVID-19 has been particularly poor um, and we've got an election coming up um, which looks like, you know, the, the, the polls look uh, like Trump won't get Get back in, so that's the negative on on their side. The positive on the European side is they've finally been able to get together a fiscal package um, that's that, that's that's um, united across Europe. So the recovery package, where it's a common fiscal um, uh, grant system, and that's the first time they've been able to do coordinated fiscal policy. So that's a very strong geopolitical um, positive. Positive to Europe, Um, the Australian dollar is doing really well on a geopolitical side because our government's been really stable. They've, they've, the state governments and the federal governments have got together in a national cabinet. They're making coordinated decisions. Um, It's just a much better environment in terms of attacking or, 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 or or being able to face COVID-19. So that's been a really strong positive for Australia, and the the economy will do relatively well because of that. Um, So geopolitical risks. Um, are prevalent and are important in currencies. Um, In terms of how we manage that though, we're a quantitative investment manager in currencies, um, and those elements aren't quantitatively assessed. It's very difficult to make quantitative models around geopolitical risk. But what it does come through, it comes through indirectly through the alternative risk premiums that we're trying to capture in currencies. Um, so, for example, we've been short the US dollar um, and have done well very recently, and long the euro because the US dollar has been overvalued, so on a valuation basis we've been short, and then on a momentum basis that the US dollar's weak and sharply, that, that short position, the US dollar's got, got bigger and bigger um, as momentum has kicked in. So for our process, geopolitical elements come in indirectly through the factors that we're using to to harvest returns.
1: That's all for this edition of the Super Talk podcast. A big thank you for listening in. Uh, and as well, a very big thank you for Adam Kibble from Insight Investments for his time. Until next time, bye for now.